Welcome to Waking from the American Dream. It is November 1st. Yes, like I do at the beginning of every month this year. All I can say is, holy shit, it's fucking November 1st. Where the fuck did the year go? It's, there's no way. It's But the, the good news is, is that it's Samhain and that Halloween is over because I hate that Halloween bullshit. It's just bullshit. And by the way, there were only six trick-or-treaters at my house last night, leaving me a huge bowl of candy that Bob and I, who are depressed and going through grief, stages of grief, should not be exposed to because I ate way too many of them. And Three Musketeers are not anything like they used to be. Oh, it's such a sad thing. And then I went to sleep with a, a stomach ache. And I, I think I'm diabetic now. I'm not sure. Um, but yes, uh, Samhain is today, which is a great, great pagan holiday. And it's where we honor uh, those who have crossed to the other side, as they say, our ancestors and all those who've come before us. And uh, normally I have a, a big bonfire and feast and things like that, but um, not this year. Oh, well, maybe I'll burn something in my fireplace tonight. I don't know. Uh, maybe I have a copy of Atlas Shrugged or something nice. like that. <laughs> Make, makes a fine substitute fire log. Yes. Absolutely. And it's doing something good for all environments at once. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, so, yes, it's November 1st, and um, weird, weird week I had. Um, went to Hawaii with my husband. His mom is in living limbo. She's neither here nor there. And uh, we sat with her for five days. And it was really a true, um, truly uh, an amazing honor to sit with someone who's in that space. Um, she was raised Catholic. And uh, she's really not very coherent. But she kept saying, pray for us, pray for us sinners, pray for us. And I'm like, okay, well, she's Catholic. That makes sense. She's saying pray for us sinners. And then we figured out she was saying the rosary which is uh, Hail Mary, Mother of God, uh, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. And I was like, whoa, it's just so trippy, so trippy. So we, um, so <laughs> in order to make her feel calm and calm her down, I went online and found MP3s of the rosary and these 25-minute versions of, of the Hail Marys and all this kind of stuff. And it's if you're not Catholic and you listen to this stuff, it's very creepy. It's like Halloween creepy. <laughs> but um, but it, for Catholics, it's soothing to them. And so I just put the computer next to her head and played these things in rotation for about two hours or so. And just and it, and it calmed her down and it seemed to help. Um, also, she was having drops of morphine, which seems to help also. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was just really an honor to take care of her and to be there for her. And when she was lucid and awake, um, all she wanted was to eat ice cream. And I thought, hell, if this is your last two weeks or three weeks on earth, and you want to eat ice cream, more power to you, honey. So we fed her ice cream. Um, and then so while we were there, it was like night three, we were I was burnt out, Bob, my husband was burnt out, his brothers and sisters were all there. And we were out on the beach. Um, his brother John rents a, a duplex right on the beach called Eva Beach in Oahu. We were on the beach, it's about 8pm, the sun had just gone down, it was lovely, we were very tired, we were all going to go to bed early. 
Um, we just, you know, had a couple drinks and dinner and actually just smoked a few hits of weed just because you're in Hawaii and that's what you do. And, um, not 30 seconds later, these, uh, sirens went off. Very loud sirens went off. And I'm like, well, what's that? And Kathy, my sister-in-law says, oh, that's the tsunami warning siren. And she says, oh, they're probably just testing it. Or sometimes they go off by accident. It'll be, it'll turn off in about 10 or 15 seconds. And I thought, oh, okay, because I'm stoned and I can't handle this. And the sirens kept going and going and going. And so we all ran in the house. And John, uh, my husband's brother, was in front of the TV watching the local news saying, it's real. It's a tsunami warning. There's been a 7.7 earthquake off the coast of Canada. And they're saying that... um we have two hours. It's going to, it's going to hit in two hours. And, and he says, and the weird thing is normally it goes from like advisory to watch to warning and you have like eight hours, you know, even when Japan hit, they had eight hours or whatever. And, but this has just gone straight to warning and we have two hours. And I uh, was one of those people who was unlucky enough to be wide awake during the Fukushima tsunami and watched that whole thing live on CNN. So I have visions of you know, well, you know what I have visions of. You people have all seen it. Um, of course, this was 3,000 miles away. It was very far away, but they didn't know. They don't have any lot of buoys between Canada and Hawaii. So they just were going, okay, well, we think it's going to be seven feet on the north side of the island. Luckily, we were on the south side. We think, we hope, uh, but we really don't know. So we're just telling everyone to evacuate out of the inundation area. So that's where we did. We went back to Bob, uh, my husband's parents' uh, condo, which is inland about a mile. And, um, but even then, I'm sitting there in the condo, and we're on the south side, and we're just going to get some, like, wash around if we get anything. But I'm literally having visions of, like, 40 feet of water. Oh, no, here's the thing. So earlier that day, my husband and I had spent the night in Waikiki because our his sister has a timeshare there, and we're all kind of sharing the timeshare and sleeping on floors and stuff. So that morning in Waikiki, I was by myself just by myself, kind of walking up and down Waikiki, just chilling, actually, having some nice alone time. When I was sitting there, I just kind of like stood up and looked towards the whole little Hilton global village thing they have there with all these tourists and families. And I thought to myself, wow, what would it look like if a tsunami, if a tsunami hit this place? So that morning, I'd already had a vision of a tsunami. So here we are now at the condo. Every, everyone's like, chill. Everyone who lives in Hawaii is chill. I mean, everyone's going to bed except me. I'm like, I I feel like, I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane when it, things are not going well on an airplane, but I'm having that feeling like we're all going to fucking die and I'm going to fucking die with a bunch of fucking water and cars coming towards me. So, and, and literally they're like, oh, 1028, it's going to hit. So we're like 1020, 1025. And the, and the, I had so much adrenaline and I was so terrified. I kept saying, shouldn't we just get in the car and just go inland a little further, inland a little further? Well, luckily the Pacific Tsunami Center is right there at Eva Beach, right where we were. And they were actually closer to uh, the water than we were at that moment. So we were like watching them on the news, studying their body language. Like if they're relaxed, then we know we're not going to die. So everything was fine. The tsunami hit. It was like five feet on Hilo, but nothing bad or anything like that. And um, we're all like, okay, we're going to go to, we're going to go back to the house on the beach. I'm like, okay, we'll go back to the house on the beach. I know we're safe. I know we're safe. The cops still hadn't blocked because it wasn't an all clear, but they, we had like a sneaky way to get back to the beach. So we're all at the beach. We're going to bed. Everyone is asleep now in the house. All the, you see other neighbors are around. Everyone's cash. Everyone's, 
I am wide awake watching the local news, waiting for the governor of Hawaii to come on and just say, it's okay, everything's fine. But I, and literally like the minute at 1.37 a.m., he's like, okay, I'm giving the all clear. Everyone can go home. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so I finally went to sleep. So that was, it was really, really, really trippy to be already dealing with this life and death stuff and then the tsunami and <sighs> it's been quite, and then we've got the election and then we've got Sandy. I mean, I don't know. You freaking Mayans better not be right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so welcome to November 1st uh, edition of Waking from the American Dream. And of course, it's uh, five days to the election, six days to the election, right? Five, yeah. Five, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, five days. Uh, and um, I thought, well, we'll do definitely an election show, you know, because I know exactly <laughs> that was Suzanne just going. Uh, so we're, so actually, I have a little thing that I wrote this morning about. Um, my relationship to politics and especially to this election in particular. And we are going to do an election show today without actually talking about the election. We're going to talk about all sorts of other things, uh, mostly around choice and being empowered and, 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 you know, well, I mean, we'll touch on it a little bit, but we, none of us here in this room need to talk about it anymore. We know what the fuck is going on. We know what's at stake and so does everyone there. So, um, but I thought I would just, I wanted to just kind of put something in context, even for myself. I mean, I think I wrote this more for myself than for, for everyone else, but, um, but maybe it's something that you're all sharing too and, and, uh, and, and feel a need to, to think about. So, um, I wanted to talk about how a few years back, literally after almost a decade away, I made the decision to step back into what they call the fray of politics. Um, before that, I was a person who absolutely saw the whole mainstream attempt at governance in this nation a huge waste of time because clearly none of the real issues were ever, ever being dealt with and the established political parties were just interested in staying in power. Um, in the 90s, although we had Clinton and that was good for a lot of things, um, the man truly, truly broke my heart when he signed the Telecommunications Act of 1996 because I knew that what he was doing was allowing cross-ownership of media outlets and I being a person who was a communications manager major at UCLA in the early 90s, I understood that this truly was the beginning of the end of democracy. And that just, it just broke my heart. I knew that corporate money had won and that the people's voice w was no longer going to <laughs> be here. Um, so here we are, <laughs> truth be known, and it's all come to pass. Um, and then in 1997, um, after my mom died, I turned away from public life completely. I began a journey into what I like to call the soul, whatever that means to you. I just wanted to connect to much deeper aspects of life and the human journey. Um, before I came back around to the outside world, I just wanted a bigger context. Um, and then, of course, in 2001, 9-11 happened, and it just – everything tilted. Everything shifted. Um and I knew that I had to, I knew the, I knew the outside world was calling all of us to, um, re-engage with it in a different way, um, because the people who were clearly engaging with it were terrifying me. But I wanted to do it from this deep, soulful place. And I began training with a bunch of really interesting people, of one of which is, um, Joanna Macy, who, 
one of her statements about the world. She says is um, the most remarkable feature of this historical moment on earth is not that we are on the way to, to destroying the world. We've actually been on the way for a quite a while. It is that we are beginning to wake up as from a millennia long sleep to a whole new relationship to our world, to ourselves and each other. And that's really the conversation that I was interested in having. So I went off to study and got my master's in depth psychology, as you all know, not to become a therapist, but to really, you know, understand the deep nature of human psyche and explore and interpret how the individual and the collective unconscious arises and shapes our worldviews and our experiences. Um, as many of us, I'm guessing most of us these days during the Bush administration saw no real leadership or conversation about how to make lasting peace on this planet or deal with the personal and collective cravings that keep us addicted to the fuel that is degrading the earth or talk about the sustainability of the current food and water systems and certainly, certainly not talk about corporate greed. None of that was being addressed. Instead, we were all told to go shopping. So after graduating in 2004 with my master's, I worked outside the system. I decided to immerse myself in training that would give me ideas and skills that could help me and other people tap into their own inherent leadership skills. You see, because there's no leadership in the country anymore, I thought, hmm, maybe we are all the leaders. We are now the leaders. We are the people that now must stand up and tell the truth about the reality. I mean, all I saw and all I ever see is the same old talking points that fed the mainstream media's narrative, which, of course, fed the endless distraction of the rest of us. I knew that the only leaders we were going to have and need in the future would come from outside of the system. In fact, I began working on a documentary project that would focus on these people. I called it Waking from the American Dream. But after my dad died in June of 2008, not only did I have my own personal world fall apart, but I also found that I had a platform suddenly in the world, uh, strangely enough, here on social media. And I knew that it was a chance for me to bring forward what I had seen, felt, and known from the past de decade. But when the economy began to crash and politics became about extreme part partisanship and covert racism and people believing that Armageddon was around the corner – I did not see how the subtlety of what I'd been thinking about could be heard in the cacophony of the shrillness that had become public discourse. With the ascension of social media, suddenly everyone had an opinion and everyone had a platform and no one was interested in conversation anymore. There was a feeling of dog eat dog and voices that had never had a huge platform, racist, paranoid, extremist positions that normally were seen for what they were, extreme and dangerous, were now being stoked, funded, and mainstreamed by people with huge amounts of money and a stake in the status quo. So when I began this show in September of 2010, I found myself at a crossroads. Do I stay outside of the fray like I had been, like my dad had always been, or did I step into it? One thing that convinced me to kind of step back into the fray was this famous, famous statement by Martin Niemöller, I think you say his name. And it was about the inactivity of German intellectuals following the Nazi rise to power. You probably are familiar with some aspect of this quote. Uh, there's a couple of different versions of it. But basically, it says, first, they came for the communists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a communist. 
Then they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak out because I was a Protestant, not a Catholic. And then they came for me, and then there was no one left to speak for me. So I felt challenged that I felt like there had to be a way to talk about the line that people were crossing and the really dangerous line that people were crossing. But an only only way to do that was to step into the fray. So here I've been in the fray for two years. And now here we are a week from the presidential and many other elections. And I'm tired. I'm tired of the fray. I'm tired of all the lies. I'm tired of the yelling, the division, the attacks, and the tension. I'm tired of those with the craziest and loudest voices winning. I'm tired of the mainstream media leaving its responsibility behind and no longer being the fourth estate where their job is to question, filter, and analyze, but instead giving voice to any and all points of view and telling us they are all equal, while at the same time not doing the work it takes to see which ones are truly viable and which ones are paranoid rantings. I'm tired of the focus on the horse race of politics, the hot button issues, the misframing of issues, and the complete head in the sand denial of the biggest issue this planet faces, climate change. Although I think that's changing this week. Like I said, I am tired of the fray. And I'm guessing that most of you are too. So where does that leave me, you, us? Whoever wins the many elections next week's will change some things and won't change others. What I do know is that there are certain ways of thinking and talking and doing that I want to step away from and others I want to step toward. Many of my shows here have hopefully supported a wider way of seeing things, and at times I too have played the game that I feel only perpetuates the status quo. Fight amongst ourselves while the foxes who are guarding the chicken coop walk away with our future unchallenged. So I'd love to figure out as I, you, we move forward here, how do we stay away from the fray that distracts us from the real work while not laying down as they metaphorically come for the communists, Jews, gays, whoever, while at the very same time step into our own leadership and do the work that needs to be done for our future. And as Joanna Macy said, create a whole new relationship to our world, to ourselves and each other. And with that, I'm here luckily today with some great friends of mine who come here and talk with me and we do all sorts of fun, crazy things here. They're all smart, funny, and thoughtful. And and so I'm very, very, very happy that my friends Dylan Brody and Rick Overton and Suzanne Wong and Aaron Brown are here today. Perfect timing. Aaron Brown just walked in to talk about all of this. Um, So uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you. Welcome, Rick. Hey, hi, Kill. Welcome, Suzanne. I loved what you wrote. Thank you for reading that. That was brilliant. Thank you. And welcome, Erin. Hi, Kel. How'd your audition go? Amazing. Oh, my God. Yay. What was it for? Oh, um, to be a host uh, for a Dawn commercial. Very exciting, guys. A Dawn. Dawn. Like a dish liquid. Dish liquid. That's what they call it I can it totally see you doing yeah, dish liquid. We're not liquid. actually advertising the beginning of day now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice. Welcome to Dawn. The sun has yeah, risen. Exactly. <laughs> I recently posted on Facebook that I went and got some Dawn dishwashing liquid because of all the um, oil-covered birds that were showing up on my front porch. And it was just a comment on the fact that every time I've ever seen a commercial for Dawn, they're using it not to wash dishes, <laughs> But to take a black oil covered bird and wash it. And I'm like, well, well I, yeah, I don't have those we serve, in my house. We serve all our meals in my household on the back of seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we go through that stuff. So very bizarre. Quickly. My plates are actually made of 
Right. And all the utensils yeah. are pelican so. bills. That's correct. Like that. <laughs> and and it's just so sad that, you know, like oil spills have become like how we sell dishwashing liquid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> actually are making poutine. Does anybody know what the heck that yes. is? Love poutine. Yes. Canada. Quebec. Hey. <laughs> Tabernacle, fuck. Exactly, or Putin, if you're from Quebec. Putin, I guess yeah. you say Putin. Yeah, they don't like it if you say poutine. I said poutine. I did too, of course, just to piss them off a little bit. Yeah, no. yeah, you can't order that in Russia, though. <laughs> exactly. You'll get the prime minister, yeah. Unless you want an ugly big Yes, cat. very yeah. ugly, scary, dark cell, sharing it with Pussy Riot. <laughs> God, I love that name, Pussy Riot. I like that they were forcing all the mainstream anchors on American television to say, Pussy Riot. Over and over again <laughs> on television in the trial of Pussy Riot today. It was just, that just delighted the hell out of me. That is a sign that the universe is bending a little towards justice. When, the, when you have moments like that, <laughs> you know the world is doing well. I'm wearing a tie saying Pussy Riot on your television. <laughs> <laughs> now here's Chip with sports. <laughs> well, it's a Pussy Riot out there after the game. Let hey, me tell you hey, that hey, you can't say hey, that on just, wait, wait, wait a second. Just well, hey. <laughs> you can riot your pussy, but you can't pussy your riot. I don't know something like that. Anyway, you can Have finger you been your watching newsroom. Yes. What do you think? I love it's a, news- like a wet dream, isn't it? It totally is. Well, because you know, Aaron Sorkin, if you're on a certain side of the political aisle, just he creates a world that you wish you could live in, that the people could actually speak out loud the things and, and finish sentences. Hold that too. Like oh, speaking quickly and fast and really quickly and uh. Like over the dramatic. Yeah, it's definitely Aaron Sorkin. You have to love him. Yeah. If you don't love his style, then you want to throw something at the I TV. I actually love him, but hated the first episode of Newsroom because yes. I was comparing it to one of my favorite all-time shows, which was Studio 60 on the Sunset Love that show. When I, I felt like Newsroom felt very dark and heavy and heavy-handed and mm-hmm. preachy, and I was like, oh, I hate this show's guts. And then somebody said, uh, keep watching Yeah, keep it watching. Because Jeff Daniels is so good. And yeah. and just for the, the, the fantasy news cover alone. Truly. It's like worth it for me to just go, oh my God, yeah. what would that be like? Here, here's my problem Ideal with that world. show. Here's where I fall apart with that show is that it keeps, you know, it goes back in time and it deals with old news events because they want to be able to To approach. reshape it. Yeah. Right. Yes. But the thing is, if any one of those episodes had actually happened, it would have changed. Then anything after that wouldn't have gone down the way they, the way it did. Butterfly so. effect. Seize. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's a great. That's a that's a great point because I mean that's one of the things I talked about my opening in my opening statement today <laughs> is about the mainstream media. I was watching Brian Williams cover Sandy. Excuse me, moderator. She's had more time than anyone else. <laughs> watching Sandy coverage, uh, Brian. They did a special ten to eleven p.m. Brian Williams mm-hmm. thing, and after watching, you know. Decades now of 24 hours news cycle with CNN, where they have a certain pace about things and they recycle things. It was so nice to see a network news organization take the disaster of Sandy, but do it in such a way where there was a little more room and space and a different kind of an angle at it. And I thought, wow, that's what the news used to be like all the time. (laughs) Great local news, too. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, there was just like, there was a, a sense of, you know, I mean, uh, the other day I turned on, see, because I, I, I do become addicted to the disaster uh, coverage. I don't watch news otherwise, but I was watching CNN, which I can't watch anymore. And Wolf Blitzer, my God, this man, I mean, if aliens ever landed, this man's head would just explode. He's just, he's breaking news. I'm like, no, Sandy yeah. is no longer breaking news. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's been going on for 48 hours now. It's, now. it's, it's soggy news at this yeah. point. <laughs> the breaking is over. Get in your canals. We're just trying your... to keep the lights on yeah. here at CNN. We're going. We're sinking faster than some of those cars. Well, I think God, it's so fast-paced because you have to keep up with the ADD generation. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, they're hoping that. And they've yeah. got all the graphics now and music. Yeah. They are trying to stay relevant. How am I supposed to listen to a newscaster if there's nothing at the bottom of the screen for me to read? That's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Obama was on, but he was in Vegas. But then they kept showing on the other side of the screen was Staten Island. I was like calling my friend like, oh, Obama's in Staten Island today? Oh, wait. No, he's – oh, no, sorry. He's in Nevada. Like it, it's – Yeah. Please, just be – let's focus on one thing, <laughs> yes. people. And the crawl at that point is just running the, the jackpots at uh, the poker tables. <laughs> the main event of the World Series of Poker. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the mainstream media. I, yeah. So I, I'm – I really am excited that just – I don't want to watch the news for like six months after next Tuesday. <laughs> You're not going to be able to help it. The, what they've figured out, what the marketing geniuses in the mainstream media have figured out is that humans are hardwired to mm. stare at danger. Yeah. If you're walking through the woods and you're trying to survive and there's a cute little bunny over there and a bear that's looking at you over here, you can't look at the bunny. You have to watch the bear. Yes. So, you know, the mainstream media goes, hey, bears, there's bears everywhere. Woo, here's there's another bears. one. Look at the bear. And then once in a while, they'll show you a cute bear that's climbing into a hot tub. And then the rest of the time, it's the big wet bear that's coming up into your home. Listen, this is why there's something called rubbernecking with traffic. Yes. There's an accident and no one can actually just drive the same speed and move forward just because there's an accident over there that you weren't in. You have to go, oh, what's happening and, over and, there? And you know, even when you know the psychology of that and you're driving by the Still accident do and you it. say to yourself, I'm not going to look. I'm not looking. And it's like, I'm looking. <laughs> and you peek. You have to peek. Yeah, that's. And then there's the other one, the complete slowdown to look at the sneaker in the shoulder of the road. <laughs> Frankie Renzulli. Do you remember mattress. Frankie Renzulli? Frankie Renzulli used to do a piece about the fact that on the West Coast, people slow down to see someone changing a tire. <laughs> oh, yes. On the East Coast, there could be a head rolling down the gutter. I'm not slowing down unless I know the guy and he owes me money. <laughs> We are fascinating little hardwired creatures, aren't we? We are. And and the more that hardwiring is taken advantage of to sell things, mm-hmm. uh, the the more we buy. Yeah. And we have great difficulty seeing outside of that cocoon of uh, marketing control. Well, and, and, you know, this hardwiring too, I mean, one of the th- things that's pulled me into the fray of always talking about this stuff in politics is partly being on social media. I mean, as we all know on Facebook and Twitter, like addicted. Addicted. And and it's like it's like you want to create a conversation around something that's not, you know, political. And then, you know, there's 42 people in your feed coming up with something and you're like, okay, well I just gotta comment on this one thing. (laughs) This is just driving me fucking crazy. It's like, oh and then I'm all the way back in. Oh first comment Conversation's free, kid. (laughs) First tweet is free, baby. Damn it, somebody I don't know far away disagrees with me. (laughs) I have to fix it. (laughs) Well, and like like watching the debates and stuff, I never, I was a person who I I just thought lies, lies, all bullshit, all bullshit. And now I sit there and I get, I'm the snarky one who watches the debates and I'm on the left now (laughs) and in my little progressive ideas and I'm like slamming all the people and I'm like, when did I turn into this person? Oh, I hate it. You know, when you were talking about us being hardwired to stare at danger, do you think that we're also, when there's something like 
Hurricane Sandy. Um, do you think we're also hardwired as humans to then rush in to help? Because when, when there are disasters, it's so, sort of also incredible to me how, I mean, I mean, when I first, uh, came out of the cancer closet, fans all over the world started to send like five bucks, 10 bucks, and it like made me burst into tears. People who never even met me and they're like, oh no, is there a problem? It really Let irritates me, me that yeah. I've never had cancer, but I could use the five or 10 bucks from everybody. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll probably get it. Dylan. One out of every three Americans gets yeah, cancer, so just oh, wait good. a couple Thank days. You. Monsanto's better betting on it. <laughs> just keep eat, just keep eating that GMO corn. You'll be all set. That's right. But do you know what I mean? Like, what do you think? I I I think we are. I mean, I know that uh, like being with Bob's mom all week, you know, and just wanting to be there, and, be, and it was being such an honor to like help the hospice nurse, you know, I mean, literally change her diaper or something, something I would never volunteer to do, but it's like... Wait, you helped a hospice nurse change her diaper? I did. I did. Change mom's love. Oh, I miss. It is. It is love. And there, and I, I, I think so. We are social creatures. We are social animals. Um, and I, and I think, you know, besides wanting to fight over the last piece of meat, I mean, that's one thing, but, uh, I think there is definitely some way in what we're hardwired. And the way that social media, like I was hearing about after the earthquake in Haiti and people had their cell phones and they would go on Twitter and say where they were yeah. underneath yeah. rubble. It's like, what, what's yeah. happening right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? The fact that there's and communication in, in other countries, people are tweeting what's actually happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like talk about taking back the news. Yeah, yeah, Here's what's actually happening in front of me here. I'm going to take a video in Iran and I'm going to tweet this. I mean – And, and I, th- I think also though that I think you have to be able to put aside um, what you think are more important needs in the moment to look over to another human and have compassion and see the suffering in them. You know, I mean I think – you know, I mean I think this is where – uh, like the golden rule and, you know, the, the basic teachings of most religions are so important. Um, because compassion for fellow man, I mean, that's, that is how you rise above being just the person fighting over the last piece of meat. And so I think it takes some effort, but I think it, it I think it wouldn't be happening if we weren't hardwired for it on some I level. Think, I, I think that we are hardwired to serve as a community and to behave as a community. Uh, and I think that greediness and selfishness is always a survival instinct, mm-hmm. which means that for those who thrive on selfishness, everybody else must be kept constantly in a state of fight or flight. Right. So, and that's why the news shows us tragedy and disaster all the time and never the fuzzy bunny. Right. <laughs> yes. Because the fuzzy bunny will get us all thinking about how we can help each other. And the disaster makes us think about how we can protect ourselves. Yeah, I mean, and as humans, we did come this far. I mean, you know, uh, I, I had a great conversation uh, for my Series XM show with with Eddie Azard, and one of the things I ask everyone is, you know, are you basically an optimist or a pessimist about humanity? And he said, oh, absolutely an optimist. I mean, he says, if you look back to early man, to where we are now, We've made some incredible strides. I mean, you know, look, look at us from, from the pyramids to, to now, you know, and it's like, yeah, I get that. And there is something that we learned along the way about the common or the common good. See, that's the thing. That's the math of it. Everything that everyone's doing is everything that moves, moves based on some manner of an understanding of preservation, mm-hmm. whether it's spiritual, emotional, stomach, food, <clears throat> intellectual. Everything, the, the, the animals only animate to get something. 
to acquire something, and it's redefining what it means when you say self-preservation if you understand that you're a part of a larger self. Yes. Well, absolutely well put. Yes. I got to I think we're hardwired. I agree with Suzanne to help people. And I think it's a natural thing. But one thing I have to say, I don't know if it's because I'm from New Jersey and this has really like hit me hard. And I just, I've been, I'm so homesick. Like I want to be in the dark with my family right now. Yeah, I bet. And, um, you know, talking to some people out here and I'm not going to say it's just a California thing, but some people happen to be, maybe they don't turn on their TVs and watch the news mm. and they're so clueless. And I'm like, look, this was my friend's house last week. Look at it now. It doesn't exist. You know, like look at the street where my sister lives. It's a, it's a canal, you know? And they're just like, Oh my God. So what are you going to get for lunch? Yeah. I'm like, they just don't even want to see it. Like not everybody is like that, but there are people that I'm like, what are you kidding me? Well, I, and, and you know, and I, I think this is, I mean, this is like, when tragedy hits, uh, you know, yourself personally, it does can wake you up in some way, all of us and, and especially when it's personal. And yes, I think there are always going to be people on this planet who would rather put their head in the sand and be in denial and think about lunch, instead of the reality that, oh, shit, this shit's going down. And by the way, you can now put your head in the sand in many places in Staten Island. What? I said, and by the way, you can now put your head in the sta- sand in many places in Staten Island. <laughs> oh, my God. Rockaway Beach. Room. I mean, it's yeah. just... Oh, oh. It's horrible. It's heartbreaking. It, it is. Absolutely That's heartbreaking. That's so true, though, because I remember um, I was living in LA when 9-11 happened, and I did the thing that I told myself I would never do, which is, I think for three straight weeks, I watched... That I watched the plane. I watched the news over and over, over and over and over. I and I, I never left my house and I cried and I was walking around in my pajamas like a zombie the whole time because I lived in New York City for six years and I loved every minute of it. And then I would realize that I would be sometimes interact with people in LA who had never been to New York, never think about New York. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's sort of bad. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, Oh, Oh, what are you talking about? My view from Brooklyn Heights from the promenade is now, you know, of lower Manhattan is now not, I mean, I, I, I just, it, it was so, it devastated me in a way that, and it was just bone chilling, Aaron, when, you know, people would go, oh yeah, that, that's a bummer. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my God, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just goes so far beyond uh, being a bummer. And I finally had to say, Suzanne, you need to stop looking at this. You need to take a shower and like, you know what I mean? Like try to, well, yeah. try to leave the house. Because you were traumatizing and, yourself. Oh I mean, over and over again, Horrible. watching those pictures. I got into that pictures. cycle, just watching. I oh, think, look, they're back up. Oh, yeah. they're coming down oh, again. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, well, I think because it was one of those things where literally it was like, how could that be real? How did that really Indeed. happen? And, you know? And yeah. effort, a genuine effort was put into taking what was a huge <laughs> surge of basic humanity. Yes. And turning it into rage and and yeah. warriorism. Well, and, and that that is, I mean, it was like, it was heartbreaking enough to see what happened to the city. And then it was heartbreaking again to feel that like... And here, you know this place is never going to be the same no matter what now. No matter They're what. lock it down now. No ma- I mean, same thing town. with New Jersey. I mean, it's like new, the shore line of New Jersey <sighs> will never be the same. All those memories that people have from we're all mourning, of those times will never be the same. We're mourning the loss of the kind of freedom you would have had in the town that was so much a part of her character. Yeah. That part's gone now. They got yeah. like a lot of weird vehicles driving around. It's on like the brighter insane, side, insane, you know. On the brighter side, with Sandy, there's nobody we can go kill to make up for. That's the I, the best thing. It's like I think the only thing that actually brings this country together is a natural disaster. Yeah, not even nine eleven. I mean, yeah, it did, but there's but, still but it was a lot of politics. It. Yeah, yeah. But 
natural disaster. Like you can't fuck with Mother Nature. Yeah, you know, like, well, America and- declares war on nature. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, I think we already did that. Yeah, no, we already she did. <laughs> That's happened. Climate change. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is their first counter strike. Well, know, right? and and so to, <laughs> and and so here here's the oppor- you know here's the opportunity because one of my questions today is you know how do we go forward and be able to talk about important things in the world without getting sucked into the bullshit of divisive politics, and there is something here what we're talking about which is just remembering humans that humans are going through suffering right now and not putting our own heads in the sand when that happens and finding ways to be of service to all of humanity and one of the ways in which people who are who are tend more on the selfish and greedy side and want to hoard and want to control and keep power over things one of the ways they do that is by dehumanizing other people on this planet, whether it's skin color or a country you live in, or it's what it's a what place. all militarism depends on. Absolutely, and it's it's from it's what that quote. I mean, you know, it's like what's happened to the intellectuals of of you know in, in Germany. They knew intellectually what was going on was wrong, but they you know suddenly it was like, oh well, I want to keep my paycheck. You know, it got down to that even. So and well, that that didn't help. But um, the the interesting thing that's cracked open here because of Sandy is two fascinating things have happened. One of which was we watched partisan politics go out the window yesterday with um, the president and the governor of New Jersey coming together to solve real problems. Hello, which I believe is what 99% of the people in this country really just want. We just want the real problem solved. <laughs> and today, fascinating enough, uh, Mayor Bloomberg has decided to endorse – he wasn't going to endorse either one because he doesn't like either one. But he decided to endorse Obama because he believes Obama – we have a better chance of at least talking about climate change. And as mayor of New York, he knows that New York is going to be underwater in 100 years, a good portion of it, just from, just from the rise of the ocean. Yep. It's just it's just a fact. Whether there's cars or no cars or carbon or gasoline or anything, it's rising two feet in the next hundred years. It's just that's just the reality of what's gonna there's happen. There's an exodus from the right on this guy. Yeah. Colin Powell. Yeah. Endorsed him. It, Christie's gonna right, endorse right. I mean, so, it's like so, it's starting to be this right, marching, because because army now there's an issue. The, there's issues the that are it's it's not about it's not about our guy versus you know which which for me also just goes to show that how what bullshit politics is too that if you know if you can be such a partisan dog on you know one day of the week and then this big thing happens reality happens and your your state is being washed away and you just want to get the job done it just shows me what bullshit it all is anyway well, i will tell you yeah. the thing that allows me to have hope in the face of all of that is that when you look at the the progress from cavemen to here, mm-hmm. you see the change. Mm-hmm. But you can also be aware that it hasn't been all forward movement. Yes. There can be backsliding and still an overall sense of progress. Yes. Uh, before the Dark Ages, everybody knew the world was round. Right. And then they forgot for a while. <laughs> yes. And then some people said the world is round and got killed. Right. And then everyone kind of went, oh, wait, maybe the world drowned. (laughs) And now that's kind of an accepted thing. Well, and I think about it, you know, just the progress of a human life, you know, all of us in our own personal journeys, we've all taken one one step step forward, forward, two steps, five steps back sometimes, you know, and yet we're, you know, those of us who are here and we're alive and we're, you know, speaking in full sentences. (laughs) So there is hope. There is hope. I have a question. I haven't been watching the news lately because like you were talking about a little bit. 
everything about the the debates and the elections started to make me feel like I wanted to move. So I'm going to stop watching the news for a while. Um, is some of the endorsement of people switching from right to left um, because of Romney not supporting FEMA? I mean, is that did that no, trigger that, any no, of this? No, literally, this, or this no? just just the last. 24 36 hours that I hasn't mean, been said but kind of but 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 i okay. think part of it is that i mean the reality is it's like the reality on the ground is that we need to help these people i mean you know and chris christie went on fox news and they of course they're they're prodding him with a question like you know well we we know the president's coming to survey the the damage um is there any chance that romney's coming to survey the damage and and chris christie just said you know what this isn't a time for partisan politics. And he says, if you think I'm focused on presidential politics right now, then you don't know who I am. I've got, you know, 6 million people underwater. I mean, he just right. went down the list of things that he needs to solve. He's like, I'm here to solve problems. And he was really pissed off. He was irritated by it. And it was, it was great to see. Awesome. Has was- there been any conversation in the news lately about how dependent we are on things like electricity when something like this happens and, you know, plans well, for more eco-friendly, sustainable I, solar, well, whatever th- else we need. I, literally, I think what just cracked open this week is that we are even, even if this particular storm was not quote unquote caused by climate change, all the scientists are saying that, that the, that the water in the Atlantic is five degrees hotter this year and it's one degree hotter anyway, but it's five degree hotter this year. And that because there's no ice over the North Pole, this high has been established there. And normally what happens is the ocean's a little cooler and there's a low over the thing and the, these hurricanes just go out to sea normally. But over the last three years, they've been pulled into this uh, Atlantic seaboard where the most, it's the most populated place in the country is this, is the Atlantic seaboard. So people are actually, it's actually starting to crack Link through up. all of our. And has Romney come out and said that climate change is a no, myth? No, he will not answer any questions about FEMA or anything. Or climate change. He will not answer change. any questions. What do you mean? About someone anything. asks him a question and he smiles? After like, Sandy, silent? Well, after Sandy hit, uh, he was at all these different stops and 14 times he was asked about his FEMA quote and he refused to answer the question. He has, he's thinking about bigger things like spray tans. And his dressage horse. <laughs> Despite the fact that it is exactly what I the Red it. Cross does not want. He had people collecting cans full of food. Yes, it was. And then someone got him the message that that's exactly what they don't want. Yes. Please don't send cans it, of food. It, it, oh, what it, do they want? And he paid for the food and handed it he to did. people to walk in a circle and he keep did. rehanding the food. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you, is that confirmed? That is confirmed. Oh, my God. Yes, It wasn't confirmed. even real people donating. Oh yeah. And it he, isn't what he, they wanted. The volunteer said, oh. you need to donate something to enter the event. Here's a bag of rice, and you can oh. donate that in the box. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's very cynical. Earlier, um, did Mayor Monotone, Bloomberg, <laughs> did he also endorse him in Espanol? No, but I don't know. If you're on the Twitter, there is a Spanish uh, Bloomberg Twitter oh, man, account. I'm on the Twitter. I got to get off the Twitter, man. El Bloombido. It is the funniest Twitter feed. Really? Is that the Mexican Mitt guy? Is it the same guy? I don't I don't know if it is or not. And <laughs> then listen to the real Bloomberg trying to speak Spanish. It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's fabulous. It's just fabulous. But And what was even more entertaining was the, um, not entertaining, but in a serious way, that uh, the lady who was doing the sign language oh, 
Dude. Was very expressive. <laughs> and someone mentioned that they thought that she was being a little too sarcastic. He wants to interview her. I think she's, they're going to try to get her on I the show. I hope so. I would hey, love to find out about me. her. Jesus is on Twitter. What has Jesus been saying about um, uh, I was Hurricane like, Well, Sandy. there's about 10 different Jesus accounts. I know, but there's one know? really funny one. I believe that would be Jesus. Yeah, there's Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yes. Jesus of Nazareth had something funny to say the other day. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> That's He's- my new favorite sentence. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth had something funny to say the other day. He's opening for me tonight at Flapper. Two lives, walk into a bar. Jesus is opening tonight at Flappers. By the way, I am performing tonight at Flappers. Nice. Shameless plug. Thank you. 10 p.m. Come see me be Slunky Park and say horrible things. <laughs> horrible racist things. Oh, yes. Horrible racist, sexist, vulgar, dirty, disgusting, Brilliant. offensive. Thank you, Rick. Yes. But only a horrible, disgusting, sexist, and racist in 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 the complete and total commitment to things that are not sexist and racist <laughs> and horrible. Thank you, Kelly. Which is always so fun and fascinating <laughs> when we can be horrible in, for the sake of not being ironically, horrible. Ironically, when we can be horrible, ironically. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we've solved it. I'm just kidding. Uh, once again, we've solved everything, but not quite. We still have some more time. So um, – well, wait, let me – can I ask a yeah, question please. because of uh, the climate change conversation? Mm-hmm. So what are these scientists saying that we must do about climate change? What should we be doing well, that I we mean, are not doing? I mean, a lot of people are saying that no matter what, it's – we've kind of over the tipping point already. That, okay. that, that, so it's that, not like if we just compost and recycle more and change to solar energy. I mean, it'll, that, it'll help. Okay. Keeping – pulling carbon out of the atmosphere will help uh-huh. because it'll slow it down. Right. And so there's an organization, actually, Bill McGibbon is a big environmentalist, and he's got an organization called 350.org, and it's for 350 parts per million of carbon. Like, that's our goal right now. We're yes. at, like, 392 or something. We want to pull it down. Uh-huh. So if we did that, it would slow it down. So but, we can slow it down, but we can't stop it or reverse it. So basically, this is the end of the world no, in, it's, in no, X it's number just, of years? As we know it. Basically, what it is is that no matter what, I mean, whether it's man-made or not, the Earth is going through a major transition. And a part menopause. of it is... Okay, is it can menopause? We not, can we not pay it's tribute a, to whether it's man-made or not? No, no, it's no. I'm, I, well, parts of it are man-made. And also, the sun is going through a lot of changes also. And they're studying the changes of the sun. And that when the sun goes through changes, it does affect uh, the weather on Earth. So there's a lot of... It's, it's very complicated. And absolutely, I believe in the fact that the Industrial Revolution completely changed, you know, Earth. I mean, I, I'm with Al Gore on this, too. And yet... I'm, I'm, I, I don't have to put my foot down about that to talk about what do we need to do? Because the bottom line is droughts are going to increase. The sea level is going to rise. Food won't grow the food, way it used to. Right. And food won't Shortages. grow in places that where it used to. And then it's going to grow in new places that it didn't grow before because it's going to have better weather there. Yeah. And Areas storms will go to desert that right. used to not be And desert. storms will get worse. I mean, the weather is changing. So really what we need to do is, Get off the Twitter feed and actually start. Where should we live? Does it say we where need, on the planet we, we should live? We need to choose a baby and put it in a rocket ship. <laughs> yes, like Moses. <laughs> I was thinking like Kal-El, but however you like to think <laughs> yes, of it. Yes. We need to um, – uh, yeah, where are we – I don't know. All I know is that um, they're going to be able to grow wine, wine grapes 
in, you know, northern Canada in a hundred years. So that'll help ease the pain. Yeah. (laughs) So wine country will get, get, I mean, they're they're growing wine grapes now in Maine. I mean, that was never possible 50 years ago. Uh, So, you know, things have slowly been shifting. It's that it's accelerating now and we're going to start seeing the effects of it. And so that's part of, you know, the good thing about Sandy, I think, is that some people are actually like, oh, three years in a row, this area has had a, a storm of the century. I mean, that's what um, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, said. He said, it's not a coincidence that we've had a hundred year storm three years in a row. That That's no longer a coincidence. Things are happening. And he says, I'm just, he says, I'm not talking politics here. The weather is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, and for a governor of a state to say that, it's like, I mean, 10 years ago, I wanted to hear that. You know, I mean, I've been desperate to hear, hear a politician I anywhere. I Silent Spring when I was in high school. Yes. You know? Yes. Or that or that movie with um, uh, where they have built the spaceship and they put a, a garden in it. Silent Running. Silent Running. Bruce oh, Dern. Oh, my God. And then the people, the corporation <clears throat> wants to like kill they need off. The ship they back, need but they don't need the the last of earth's wildlife they need oh. the the tanker ship to oh, return without wow. it and load new things on it and this is a 1970s film yeah. i mean you know i mean yeah we've been doing all this since earth day was created in what was that 74 75 i mean you know so people have been talking about this for about 30 years haven't they yeah hmm. now what about the entire middle of the country are are they doing things as basic as recycling because I'm so biased I because I've know. only lived on the left coast or the right coast never you know what I mean I haven't spent a lot you of know time recycling in is is about is about landfill space for most of these uh-huh. urban areas and yes it's also about resources especially paper um, and you know glass and stuff like that but it, you know the way they finally got people in LA to do it was to make it a landfill issue. Look, our landfills are filling up. We need to recycle this stuff to move it out of, you know, to to, to move it out of the landfills. Um, I mean, that's part of the trick, too, is like, you know, because we're hardwired in certain ways, this long-term thinking isn't easy for people, you know? So we have to, like, think, like, how do you get people on board with the short-term argument, you know, like, hey, do you want to actually have a beach to go to in five years, maybe? <laughs> my, the managers of my building, I was like, there's recycle bins. Do you guys have a – I can't put anything else down this chute. She's like, whatever. doesn't matter. And these, this is a couple that they come in every night practically with fast food containers. I'm like, okay. I'll just throw everything down. Like, <laughs> well, just cares? pretend it's okay. Yeah. yeah because yeah. it's more convenient. Yeah. It's you so know, much easier than walking outside and down three flights. <laughs> well, yeah. What I mean, are those things called the huge garbage things in the ocean that are just oh, what are the those thing called? that's the size of Texas? Yes. What the fuck is they, that called? They call it Craplantis. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I'm going to move all the plastic assholes onto it. <laughs> and it's their new housing community for synthetic fucks on their floating sh- island of shit. And uh, uh, and when you're litter? and when you litter, you're not littering. You're nation building, motherfucker. You're adding, you're adding to the environment. That is craptastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that there is something floating in the Pacific Ocean the size of Texas filled with plastic, and we can all just get up every day and eat our granola and have our tea yeah. and get in our cars and drive to work and yeah. not think a moment about it. And it's redirecting the Gulf Stream. Yes. Yes. I mean, it is. It may throw England into one ice age. Well, see, and this is the interesting thing, too, though. And But see, this is a really, really strong, important point because – 
working with uh, Joanna Macy, I mentioned earlier, she's a woman who works with activists and helps people from burning out from being activists. Because if you do think about this stuff all day long, there's too much stuff. Your you'll be in your explode. bathrobe. Yes. You will not leave your house. I mean, yes. you don't even have to watch the news. You just think about it all day. Because you feel you'll disempowered. You'll turn into a blitzer is what you're saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> your head will blow off. Either that or you're just like in the fetal position in the corner of your house, basically, which is kind of where I always How go. How do we know he isn't every day? He really is. <laughs> Inside, wolf, wolf. It's okay. You just need a hug. He's I'm like just a, a cub. I'm just a little cub. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. This stuff can become really, really overwhelming. And one of the trainings we did with Joanna Macy, believe it or not, was we watched this really intense um, film about uh, uh, Chernobyl and the devastation of Chernobyl. And when it would get too overwhelming emotionally, she would pause the film, and we would all do this breathing exercise to learn to kind of metabolize, metabolize the emotions through it because your brain does go into, holy shit, we have to fix it now, overwhelm mode, and you, your higher thinking goes away and your ability to detach in a healthy way goes away. Because we either go into overwhelm, fetus, fetal position in the corner, or detach, let's pretend like there's nothing floating in the Pacific Ocean the size of yeah. Texas. I mean, literally. So it's like finding that middle place. And another source of optimism lies in the fact that the area around Chernobyl is wonderful and filled with wildlife now. Yes. It's the plants are growing in and the deer are growing in and the they, they may be two-headed deer, but they're deer. <laughs> yeah. Humans still can't. We can't beat the planet. Yeah, and the humans still can't go and live around right. there in those right. places. I well, mean, it's could. forever gone. They they could, but it wouldn't be healthy for them. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that Joanna did was she went to Chernobyl to do work with the people who had had to leave and leave their community and and leave their and um their sacred elm forest. They there was this beautiful elm forest there that these people have for generations and generations and generations had, uh, you know, gone and, and walked in and, and picked berries in and, and their great-great-grandparents, and it was a part of their identity. And suddenly they weren't allowed to go back into the elm forest. And so she went to do grief work. It's what Joanna does. She goes and does grief work, which is, I think, a lot of what we're going to kind of need to do as a nation and as a world is some grief work around well, we this stuff. We haven't done it about nine eleven. We haven't done any. Absolutely, I mean, we haven't done it about the Holocaust. We haven't done it. Right. Exactly. I Wait. Mean, we don't need grief over nine eleven. We need rage. We need right. We, need we don't. Rage we and don't anger do. And, we don't do grief because yeah. we think we're going to get stuck in the grief. And we're. But actually, what happens when you do real grief work? That's where the energy and the vision comes for the next thing to happen. As we all know, we've all been through grief. It's if you can move through it. It's difficult, but if you can move through it, something opens up on the other side. And she went there and nobody was talking about this Elm Forest. No one wanted to. She would do circles. Of course, she went to Russia and was trying to do like a support group circle. Russians did not do support group circles. They had no idea what this woman was trying to do. And after the first day, they all got enraged and left. They all stormed out because all they could feel was the rage that because she was bringing up emotion. And she was afraid the next day she was going to do the same thing. She thought nobody was going to show up. And one by one, every single person showed up. And they started talking about and she found a way in which was talking about the elm forest. And they ended up creating this beautiful circle dance called the elm dance. And what you do in the elm dance, it's a it's a Russian uh, traditional circle dance where they have these traditional folk circle dances they do. And what they did was is they put everything that was gone 
inside the circle and just all held it. And by the end of the three days, these people were connected, laughing, crying, uh, but actually had hope again for their future. And we're talking about ways in which they could move forward. It's incredible work. So I think one of the things, and even when I studied with her 10 years ago, one of the things we were talking about was no one's talking about the sadness about how things will never be the same, like the Jersey Shore, like, like understanding that even if they rebuild it and they do all that, it's not going to be what it was. You know, it's, it's so sad. What you're talking about is so important, I think, because if we are encouraged to only stay in our rage and then we feel overwhelmed, most of us, me included, will just shut off and then disconnect and go, I am completely disconnected and I'm not going to participate in anything. And I have no hope that anything will be different with this country, with presidential elections, with politics or any of that. I'm just going to disconnect. And one great opportunity I had is I went to Washington, D.C. to Capitol Hill with Marianne Williamson in this organization called Results. And they are all about solving global AIDS, TB, and malaria and doing something to provide relief and medicine and cure and all that stuff. So here's what I didn't understand. I didn't know that any civilian can request and take a meeting with a congressperson or senator on Capitol Hill. I thought you, I don't know what I thought. I thought you need some special credentials or you just can't. Yeah, (laughs) right. But especially if you are a constituent of Mm -hmm. said person, there's a very good chance that you can at least take a meeting with that person's aide. And so what what I found out from going with her is that um, Congress people and senators have so much on their desk every day. And just because they haven't signed off on a bill doesn't mean that they've changed their mind and that they're evil. It could just mean that it slipped through the crack of the 800,000 pages of things that they, you know, want to read and do and decide on and accomplish. So just by going and taking meetings, there were times when there was a, a bill to um, nominate Muhammad Yunus, who created micro lending for the Congressional Medal of Honor, not because he needs a medal, but because it enables him to speak in front of the Senate and the Congress. Um, and also, I didn't know this either, that there can be money set aside by the Foreign Appropriations Subcommittee for something. So there was eight million, eight billion, I think eight billion dollars set aside. It was like, yes, we voted, we will set aside this money to spend on global AIDS, TB and malaria. But then it wasn't getting spent. Mm. So that there's all this money just sitting there earmarked for it and then it's not getting spent so then it takes a couple of people to go and take some meetings to go hi can we we just need a few more signatures on this piece of paper (laughs) to get this money spent and then after that trip not all of it like six billion i think of it might be getting it's maybe million or billion but Uh to me all that matters is that as one individual taking meetings on capitol hill we get we get um uh, brainwashed into thinking that one person cannot absolutely cannot make a difference. Anybody who tells you you cannot change the world has a vested interest in the in, status quo. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. Yep. But I mean, it was so encouraging because you know that Hopi Indian prayer: "We are the ones we've been waiting for." Yes. I think what you were talking at the beginning about: we need to think globally but act locally. What can I do? Mm-hmm. What can I do today? Is there something I can do today? And let me be the one instead of waiting for someone else with crossed fingers. I hope someone else does something about this you know what i mean and just 
and, uh, and feel empowered and know that you can make a difference. Uh, absolutely. And the, and, the, and the thing you were talking about, like, you know, if, we, if you do fall into hopelessness and think this can't be solved, then it's really that much easier to say, you know what, then all I'm going to think about is what's mine and what I want and, and, exactly. what, I'm going to, and what I'm going to accumulate and, and, and protect my people and my things. Until I drop dead. I'll just do that. Yeah. And there we are mm-hmm. talking about the fight or flight response as opposed to... Right. The slightly more elevated, less fearful act of compassion. Right. And, and using your higher, reaction. your higher brain thinking, you know, because the fight or flight is the, is the reptilian brain. You know, that's the one that gets shut on and says, okay, holy shit, bear. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's so amazing to have a congressional aide say, oh, Berman didn't sign that? Right. Are you sure? Right. Well, yes, we're sure. So then we wow. have it and he goes, all right, well, I'll bring it into him and he'll sign it today. Wow. Because they, didn't re- because they didn't realize that he hadn't signed it. Wow. They thought for sure he had signed it. And we thought, he's changed his mind. He's a traitor. He, right. You know, he created the bill. Now he's against it. It's right. like, no, he's not against it. He just has 80,000 things <laughs> to do sure today. I'm pretty sure Congress people look at bills in front of them the way the rest of us look at the <laughs> terms of stack. agreement. Yes. Or bills. The iTunes. The iTunes. Look at my yes. desk. Yeah. There's so many unopened <laughs> envelopes. I'm like, ugh. Uh, Click on I accept no, that. Well, Blitzer, it's more entertaining. <laughs> yes. Put blah, on the X blah, blah, factor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are human, just like the rest of us. They get overwhelmed at their job, too. And something that makes me furious is that I want to know who gets the um, ability to name certain bills. Like, oh, that's me. Like, you, 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 can, you can name a bill like, yeah. like the We Love Kittens and Puppies yeah. bill. But, but then it's really about it, killing it, kittens yes. and puppies. But then if you go on the record as a, a senator who voted against the We Love Kittens, it's like the Clean Air the Act, clean air or, act. <laughs> or the Patriot Act. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> who, get, who gets to name these? Because you don't want to go on record. Whoever saying, is proposing them. Yeah, like yeah. I, you know what I mean? I voted against the Patriot Act. Oh, you did? Yeah. Shame on you. Well, yeah. See, and Very that's clever. where the sneaky part of politics yeah. gets uh, in, and that's where you start to want to bang your head up against a wall and think, <laughs> yeah. And we all know that if James Bond were real, Monsanto would have exploded in a fiery conflagration by now. Yeah. It would have been a lovely thing. Losing truly. one million dollars. <laughs> Wait, he's not real? <laughs> no, we, you know how we know that. <laughs> Damn. Have any of you seen Cloud Atlas? No, yeah. I want to what read the book think? first. Heard it was really long. I, I, I loved it. I've heard, I, I, got, I I heard love, hate, love, hate. I've I seen it. trailers for it, and all I could think is wasn't this Being Human by William Forsyth oh, 15 I years oh, ago? Yeah. I don't know. Or, uh, I don't know. I want to read the book. May come, but, yeah, uh, I want to read the book. Did you love it or hate it? I liked lots of it. I liked a lot of it. There was and, one uh, moment that I won't tell you because you'll probably see it that made me want to get up and walk out of the theater. Yeah. That is something really small and personal. <laughs> but but other than that, I was yeah. pretty astonished by it. And I feel like I definitely need to watch it again. About the first 45 minutes, I thought, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. But then much like, did you see the movie The Commitments? I know yes. this is a weird yeah. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So you know how at the beginning, I couldn't understand anything anyone was saying. Right? And then about 10 minutes into it, I'm like, oh, I understand everything. Yeah. yeah. So what happened in Cloud yeah. Atlas is I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And then at a certain point, I'm like, I understand everything that's going on i don't know i don't know so your unconscious part of your mind i don't know something clicked wove it together or something yeah i want to see that definitely but i want to read the book because i I think the book i heard the book's amazing and you can really obviously get deeper into it and so i'm thinking okay maybe i'll just hold off and i'll read the book first you know after i get done with my that's what i did with porkies (laughs) 
It's a great book. <laughs> read the book first. Yeah. Well, yeah. But here's the thing. Read the book fast because it's the kind of film that you want to see on a big screen. There's uh, certain okay. movies it doesn't matter. See it on your laptop. Right. How's but there's other doing? movies right. that... I don't know. How is it doing? I don't know. I don't know. That's another thing, too. So, suddenly, when did the box office of movies become everything that every American needs to discuss and talk about? 1982. Yeah. Thank you. Right when the, when the bean counters took over in this town is when it was, and it probably was 1982 because that's when because Reagan. That means how long it's going to even be available for? Yeah, us because to watch. that that's yeah. the only you know only thing that's worth talking about is it's how well it's doing because you know uh, it goes back to there's so many more portals now to get your news so it's like entertainment news so yeah you know I mean? so that's so we need to mm-hmm. fill two minutes so we're going to give you the yeah. the box office yeah. uh, it, it's like people right. in. Georgia don't give a shit how people are, things are doing at the box yeah, office. But an entertainment reporter like once a week, you know, like like NBC Liz. I will say that there's less reporting of that yes, outside. Smith, yes, there's less reporting of that outside LA and New York than than there is here. Oh. Probably, I, I would when guess I, when channel, I travel. Like the but it's yeah, just, that's, it's entertainment news. 24 hours. And they do talk about yeah, it. on Entertainment Tonight. That's how they they will open with box office numbers. On, I mean, Entertainment Tonight or right. close the show with Welcome that to every night. Cattle slaughter tonight. <laughs> but like in LA, Entertainment News is no different from the six o'clock news. I remember when I first moved here, uh, yes, I was watching I the six o'clock news, and the lead story was that Brad Pitt had the flu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking. Oh, what? <laughs> and the newsletters are all like quad and orange. P- has and the and flu? Like, do I? And never mind. This? Have you ever heard anything about city hall politics on the no. local news? No. no. I have ne- there's nothing. No. Never. Like, if you live in Chicago, like, Chicago local politics is everything. Everyone knows about it and talks about it. Here, never. There's nothing. I don't even never. do. Is, it, is there a city hall? Do we have city? Ca- what do they do down there? Who are these people? The I know I voted is, for if someone. They send any cameras down there at all, they'll have to report on Occupy LA and they <laughs> yeah. don't want. <laughs> to talk about it <laughs> yeah dylan and i logged a few hours down there totally quite a, quite a bunch it's true it's just like like we don't uh, then they say you know you know politics you should focus on local politics great i would you know if you read the la times you learn a little bit about it but who reads the la times anymore except for my husband every my, morning uh, my belief is that all fascism is local <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see our mayor of la stumbling out of a bar one night oh I danced with him on a dance floor at an HBO Emmys party. Yeah, really? Nice. Was he a good dancer? Did, like, did he grab oh, very, your ass? Oh, yeah, very good dance. I'm like, oh, my God, there's the mayor dancing oh, next to me. All righty. First time I've ever seen the man live. Yeah. Yeah. He's a partier. He gets around. Big time. He to- I, He likes he, the parties. Please. Yeah. He's always got a chick on his arm. Yeah. I don't know if he's married or not, but Probably he always is. has a chick on his arm. <laughs> <It's Latino. laughs> that was no chick. That was the first lady of Los Angeles. Los, uh, what's the Ciudad de... The city of nobody's better angels. Yeah, it's just, it's a long, it's a long name for a city. Really. That's no wonder it's LA. <laughs> it's way easier. It's true. It is. Very, very long. They, they really, they liked long names back then. I love the old pictures of LA because the LA was just basically a river with like a saloon next to it most of the time until like 1902 or something. It was great. It's like, oh, kind of an afterthought, this place. Spanish and, settlement. Yeah. Yeah. And and basically like ne'er-do-wells. I mean, there was nothing, nothing yeah. redeeming about this area. No well, one wanted to build changed. anything. That's true. You know, La Cienega, the, the, the street La Cienega, it means the swamp. 
I thought yes. it meant the Sienica. <laughs> the Sienica. <laughs> I didn't know that. It does. Yeah, because uh, when you go down La Sienica and before you go up to the Baldwin Hills, uh-huh. that was all swampland. Mm. I mean, a good portion of LA was wetlands or swampland or whatever you want oh, to call it. Oh, it's a Brea. And the Baldwin, yeah, Baldwin And Brea is the tar pits. The, uh, the, uh, Brea. Brea, yeah. Baldwin Hills were named for uh, the parents of Alec and... Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the same family. The Baldwin family. The Baldwin, the Baldwin, Baldwin boys. Wow, yeah. yeah, they went back, didn't they? I didn't know that. <laughs> I always thought they were in New York. Funny Some of the Baldwins went How many of you have lived in New York City? As a baby. I have. Yeah. The reason I'm asking is just because we're all raising what, our hand on the radio. Well, yeah, nice work. Raise your hands, <laughs> unanimous people. people. Raise your hands. Woo. We're here. Um, what year was the? Remember the World Trade Center bombing? The explosion was not 9/11. Uh, nine eleven. It was nineteen ninety three. Okay, so 19, 1993, I'm living in New York City, and that happens. And I see a teaser for the six o'clock news um, that night, and it says terror at the World Trade Center. I'm not kidding you. With dripping blood graphics. Oh yeah. For the local it's news, like the New York I'm Post. Thinking, I'm <laughs> thinking, but this was just for the this. Yeah, I'm like so now. Now we have dripping blood yeah, graphics, graphics for the yeah. no, for the yeah. news. My yeah. favorite right. news tease ever was 1998. I was artist in residence at Northfield Mount Hermon School in Massachusetts, and I had nothing to do with the e- in the evening. And I was watching television, local news, and they started by saying, uh, "Pakistan and India on the verge of all-out nuclear war." But first, Seinfeld's final episode. <laughs> what will America do oh, without its God. favorite batch of wacky neighbors? <laughs> Well, I wow. think that, that pretty that much first. sums it all up right yeah. there. But first, but first, let's focus on this. <laughs> Is the moon headed this way? Find out after this word from our from sponsor, <laughs> which is an antidepressant. They got to keep the viewers. I don't know. I wonder if people just tuned in for Seinfeld and then, you know, they were hoping to keep them because people would want to know. About you might want to stick around. I think they made a mistake. <laughs> just in case. that. <laughs> don't even mention the Pakistan. Look at the bear. Look at the bear. Buy Xanax. Buy Xanax. Look at the bear. Look at the bear. Buy Xanax. Buy Xanax. Oh my God. Well, that's a billboard in West Hollywood. <laughs> Look at the bear. Buy a Xanax. Look at the bear. Buy Xanax. <laughs> that's a t shirt. That totally is. I think we should start our own fake news network so we can really fuck with these people. You got the blue screen right behind you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we do, don't we? Hello there. Yeah. Uh, so I want to thank you all so much for coming by and helping me start? sort through this <laughs> what? Um, mess yeah. mess of humanity we've got on our plate here. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like... Uh, <sighs> I don't have to watch the news for the next five days. I kind of know what's going on already. <laughs> so um, let's promote some things here while we're here. What, uh, Dylan, what do you have coming up in the next few weeks? Uh, tomorrow evening. That would be November 2nd. I got nothing. I'm going to see a show tomorrow night. Uh, Saturday the 3rd. <laughs> I'm doing uh, uh, Songs Alive, which is a songwriter's showcase at Hallenbeck's General Store. I do storytelling there. Oh. Uh, I work out the new material. I'll probably be doing Democracy 101 because it's the time for that. Absolutely. That's oh, a great piece. Uh, and I don't know what else I got. Go to DylanBrody.com. Look at my schedule. Look look around. Look around. Yeah. Look around. Uh, what about you, Suzanne? You're at Flappers to Flappers tonight at 10 p.m. Flappers in Burbank, 102 Jesus of East Nazareth Magnolia. will be opening for her. Yeah, Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> Nazareth is opening for me, and he's hilarious. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, 10 o'clock, 10 bucks at the door. I'm headlining as Sunghee Park. And um, I don't perform stand-up that much anymore. So mm-hmm. come out if you've never seen this uh, insane yes, it's so good. act. And I'm writing a book about my journey with the C word that Dylan is so jealous of. And I am teaching <laughs> classes. I'm teaching classes. Um, it's called The Playing Field. And it's for performers of all types at every level. And it's every Saturday from 2 to Are 5. Are you allowed to take it if you've never had cancer? <laughs> <laughs> and you can go to SuzanneWong.com yes. to find out all of those fascinating yes. things. Or Facebook or Twitter. You know, you can always find her on the Facebook or the Twitter. And Dylan, too. And uh, dear Aaron, what are you up to these days? Um, I've been doing a little bit of stand-up. Really? Yeah. I'll be at a, a lot of cool bar shows. <laughs> <laughs> so if you happen to be drinking in so the LA exactly area. Tonight I'll be at the Universal Bar and Grill. Uh, and then Tuesday, where will I be? Um, Tuesday, I'm doing the Brown Duty show. Every Tuesday, you guys should tune into that. Yes, tune into to, to oh, yes. Bra- Brown Duty. Yes, Duty. it's Aaron Brown and Jason Duty. Brown Duty. I mean, hello. It's a movement. Name. We oh, talk about crap. Perfect. Talk yes, about you crap. do. You do. Yeah, it's a genius theme song by Fiona Landers. It yes. is. Yes, and Joel Spence. It's yes. a fun show. Kelly was on it. It was very fun. Yeah, and you can download it for free on iTunes and Stitcher. Um. Also, I'll. Oh, I'm going to be. You know, headlining Sardo's in Burbank on Wednesday. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And still doing the red carpet. So. Yeah. And yeah, check out the hot red carpet uh, YouTube. Uh, did you have, who did you have recently that was a real get? It was really, f- I can't remember now. I had a lookalike. Did you see that? Oh, one? yes. You have to go do the episode where someone actually stole her sure. premise. Oh, it was hysterical. What? And Erin, in her Jersey way, like totally got in this chick's <laughs> face. It was someone awesome. stole your premise? I thought fisticuffs were going to happen. Oh, it was bad. so cool. She like a drag queen. She, How do we she, find that link? I <laughs> sort of thought she was. She, yeah, I know. She, she, it was close. Hot red carpet. Yeah. It's like the second one listed. Okay. And I was at the same event last it's year. It's hysterical. It's ridiculous. It's a great moment. It's oh, a great you moment. Go to Rick, the- I have a piece on KPCC this weekend oh. on uh, Off Ramp with John Raby. I should remember to plug that when it happens. That's, I always yeah. love those. I, in fact, I was driving around one day and you were on. I was like, oh, it's my friend. He's on that. that. <laughs> your, your pal or the girl you think is really funny, Mary Birdsong, will be on our show. I love her oh, madly. She is a genius. She is I so talented. Sit and spin. And she, wasn't she on Reno? Yeah. She's been on Reno. She's, she's been on Broadway. Brilliant she's been Roseanne's yeah. pilot. Brilliant. Yeah. She's, she she's stole in, Roseanne's pilot. Yeah, she's everywhere. She's, she's that girl right now. Um, lo- and so did Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah, she's Yay. and the best person. She's Yay, just cool. Crash and Bernstein. She's on See, a series called Crash and Bernstein. Right See people and we're letting you know that people in Hollywood actually do root for each other. And she's yeah. from Jersey. <laughs> yeah. We love when our friends do well. And Rick, what are you up to? Well, doing a show tonight, uh, laughing liberally at the improv. Yay. Eight. And uh, then uh, Saturday, going to be doing another one with Jimmy Dore. Is going to be doing a show. Uh, Jimmy Dore is awesome. Up, uh, political roundup right before the whole thing comes down. Yeah, I may, I may end up crawling out of my house to go see that. That'd actually. be a fun we'll show. See. Come on down. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. When's that one? Saturday night? Saturday night. Yep. And uh, myself, I uh, have a Carlin Home Companion at the Santa Monica Playhouse on November 15th. Nice. Right on. And this Sunday on Sirius XM, we are replaying uh, Lewis Black, my interview with Lewis Black, because not a lot of people got a chance to hear it. And Lewis and I talk politics, but we 
God, we recorded that in like January, January or February or something. But we're, re- we're replaying it because um, I was supposed to have Paul F. Tompkins on my show and he got jury duty and actually is oh. on a jury right now. Wow. <laughs> I love jury duty. I'm one of those weird people that love And I'm like, jury. sure, I could see him there with like the bow tie yes. and the <laughs> carnation and everything. Like he's such the good juror. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, as you well know. <laughs> yes, he gets up and he starts lawyering. Have your <laughs> listeners heard your Phyllis Diller interview? Is there a way for people to uh, hear We that? actually played it on Sirius X. But yeah, you can download it off of iTunes. It is fucking spectacular. Thank you. All of your shows on, from Sirius uh, are not uh, really? No, my, my Phyllis Diller I did for um, Laugh.com actually oh, uh, a couple of years okay. ago. So and then I ended awesome. up having When She Died, um, Sirius XM played it on there. But yes, you can buy it off oh, of iTunes. So Thank good, you. Kelly Carlin. One of the best uh, afternoons of my entire life. Well, and your marvelous, truly. marvelous interviewer. What's Logan up to? Yeah, Logan, what do you got going on this week and uh, next two weeks? I'm I'm playing many things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Logan is a Renaissance yeah. man these days. Yes, uh, December eighth, the Santa Monica Humanity Center, We're doing a, a a very brown coat Christmas show. It's a, for you Joss Whedon fans, and uh, you're involved nice. in that. I am. I will be love that. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Logan, how do people get a hold of your uh, short demo CD that I have in my stereo in my car? Well, thank you, Dylan. You can get the whole thing for free at loganheftel dot com. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and you can pay for it too if you choose to. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, um, oh. I want to encourage everyone uh, next weekend uh, an event that I'm going to. I think Suzanne's going to. Also, you going to Sister Giant? Oh no, not uh, this year. Okay, so I'm going Sounds to like Lilith Fair. I'm, I'm going to Sister Giant uh, with Marianne Williamson. Williamson. She was on my uh, show last week, and we talked all about it. Yeah. Uh, one way to rise above the fray is to get involved uh, uh, through politics, through a different kind of conversation. I went before, and it was spectacular. Yeah, and I'm so excited. So I'm going to go uh, next weekend. So I highly, if you're in LA, or you can also stream it and basically it's donation based uh so you chickadees out there you want to get involved in something interesting go to sister giant and that's how i ended up going to washington dc exactly with her it's actually where you actually get off your butt and yep. off your couch and go do something do so uh, everyone thank you for being here sorry we didn't go live this week but uh you're all downloading this and bless your hearts uh we're going to end the show with um well, we're going to end the show with a little politics today because, you know, why not? This is our dear friend Captain Danger with a new song that he has out called We're the Undecided. We're the undecided and somehow it's up to us You know we're not equipped but we appreciate the fuss We can't decide we really tried We're just too fried But one day we'll make up our minds One day we'll make up our minds Can't tell ass from elbow But one day we'll find our behinds This great nation Is owned by corporations But we're not jaded Wanna be persuaded So I'm floating like a turd Waiting for a magic word To flush me out Or hook me like a trout We're the undecided Don't you wanna make a fuss? We're the undecided And this whole fucking thing's for us We can't decide And we really try Brain dead or blind One day we'll make up our minds One day we'll make up our minds Can't 
tell us from elbow But one day we'll find our behinds Well of course I'm gonna vote I don't know why so many don't believe it up to me And I'm dumber than a tree But I could pick a football team A favorite ice cream But can't get this straight I just can't concentrate We're the undecided And they wanna make a fuss We're the undecided And this whole fucking thing's for us Oh, it feels so good Just like it should We love the attention Oh, you get such a boner When you're a swing voter We're the undecided Do you think it might be close? We're the undecided Could we matter most after all? Headed for a fall, back and forth like a tennis ball. But one day we'll make up our minds. One day we'll make up our minds. Don't know, ask from elbow. One day we'll find our behinds. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.